Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Thank you so much, and I want to welcome everybody here, welcome you online, welcome you on whatever campus, or if you're podcasting a service later, and certainly welcome to Loxahatchee, so honored to have you with us, and I always want to say our guests, if you're here, uh, you're navigating a church, I met some folks after the 9 o'clock hour, or the 8.30 hour, I should say, and you know, um, that's a big decision, and uh, we're honored to have you with us. Our prayer is that already you felt welcomed and accepted and free to worship the Lord uh, in a comfortable way. We're delighted that you're here. And uh, especially because um, we are in an important series right now, and we're launching within the series an important initiative that is going to run alongside of this series that you're going to be hearing more about that launches near the end of the year called Flourish. And uh, for those of you that want to know more, um, first of all, I want to remind everybody we have a website that you could go to, uh, communityofhope.church slash flourish. We have an anchor video with a very good looking pastor giving an anchor video. And um, if you've not seen that, whether you're a guest or an attendee or a uh, partner, that'll help you learn some more information about really what's happening in our church. We have an informational guide that is kind of pointing our way to the future available on every campus. So if you haven't received one of those, when you leave the service this morning, go out in the lobby and ask for that. And I want to remind everybody too, we have some uh, vision nights coming up. I'm going to be in each of these different campuses and I'm going to be talking about Flourish, giving an opportunity to answer questions uh, and all of that. And so really this is an important series where we're talking very, very honestly, very, very candidly about the future of our church. So I'm in, uh, encouraged to invite all of you in on that. So uh, I want to read a passage of scripture for the second and final time in this series. We're going to look at that passage of scripture again, Matthew chapter 16, beginning in verse 13. And uh, this is an important uh, passage. We're going to pull a lot of stuff out of this uh, this morning uh, again. And so uh, wherever you are, just if you would stand, we're going to honor the Lord And honor the Lord's word as we read this together. Matthew, uh, the tax collector, is a follower of Jesus, is uh, reading his story, writing his story, and here's what he says. He says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? And they replied, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And then Jesus said, well, what about you? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, he said, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades or the gates of hell will not overcome it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he ordered his disciples then not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let's pray together. 
Lord, we're going to, again, thank you for your presence. We've already felt it so strongly in our worship in just a few moments ago. But now, Lord, we invite you into this moment as we reflect upon Holy Scripture, as we reflect upon your word. And God, we believe that just as Matthew wrote this, you know, 2,000 uh, years ago, plus or minus, that it still yet today has a unique and personal and corporate message for all of us. And so, God, will you give us the ability through the power of your spirit to hear it, to see it, to welcome it in, and to be followers and doers of it, we pray in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. So here's where we are. This is an important conversation that Jesus is having with the disciples. Now, we learned last week, if you were with us, this is probably one of the moments where Jesus was uh, experiencing uh, the biggest crowds, the most popularity. Everything was sort of going his way in this moment. And he, he takes the disciples to this particular region down near the water, kind of a port city called Caesarea Philippi, and he overhears people talking about him. And he begins to take that moment as any good leader would do, and he capitalizes on that moment, and he says to the disciples, well, people are talking, what do you hear? And like we talked about last week, they began to say, well, you're, you're you know, uh, Jesus, you're like one of the prophets, maybe you're like Jeremiah, or like you're Elijah, or one of the other prophets. And then he goes from this general sort of, what are you hearing, to a very specific uh, uh, question, and he says, what do you say? Who do you say I am? And Peter, the courageous one, whether he's courageous for the good or courageous for the bad, right, he just kind of responds and he says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And we find in that moment that Jesus um, opens this window, if you will, and they begin to see further into the mission of God. And if I were to stamp something across, you know, kind of the, 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 the entirety of these words that are written in Matthew chapter 16, the, the kind of idea I would want us to know is simply th- this, that uh, the church is God's great idea to get his redemptive work done in the world. The church is God's great idea to get his redemptive work done in the world. And, and here's what we looked at last week, if you're with us. That's kind of a gamble. And if you don't think it's a gamble that God is going to get his work done through us, look to the person next to you. Come on, that was supposed to be funny. There's a gamble. Look at this stage right now. That's like a gamble, right? You know, this kind of thing. I remember when I was growing up, uh, I, uh, when I was just beginning my illustrious baseball career, okay, uh, and uh, I, the first team I ever played for was a team that was called the Giants, and I've shown this picture before. Here I am playing for the Giants. Good-looking dude right there, right? And uh, the only thing giant in this picture are the ears on either side of, that's, that's about, maybe the, maybe the feet, but definitely the ears. And the only thing dirty on this uniform was the seat of my pants because I sat on the bench the whole time. Like I never got to play. And I'll never forget this story. It's sort of ingrained in my head. Uh, this is the first time I ever played baseball. And uh, there's this moment near the end of the season. And uh, the coach calls me up and he's going to put me in the game. Now, I was to learn later that the only reason he did that, I think, is my dad had been needling him. Like, you know, let him stand on the field once, you know. 
And so the coach pulls me over and he says, all right, we're going to put you in the game. He grabs a baseball helmet, puts it on my head, fits it around those nice ears, you know. And, and, and he says, this is, this is the moment. This is for you. If it's going to happen, it's up to you. You're, you're our guy. And while he's saying this to me and I'm looking at him with fear in my eyes, I look behind him and there's all on the bench, there's all of my teammates and all my buddies And when he is saying, it's all up to you, I could see on their faces they were going, if it's all up to him, we're jacked. We're totally jacked. And I would tell you the rest of this story, but it's not important. So here's the thing I think about sometimes. So come on, right? When um, I wonder sometimes, if you're like me, if you ever look out uh, at the church in general, and you say to yourself, you know, God, you couldn't have come up with a better idea. Like, I mean, this, this, is, your, this is your idea to get your redemptive work done on the face of the earth. And, and we might wonder that sometimes, but here's, here's what I love about Scripture. You don't really see that in Holy Scripture. You see a God who believes in us. And in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, right, you have this moment where he says, look, Peter makes that declaration. He says, hey, I tell you, you're, you're Peter. And on this rock, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And here's for those of you that want to know, Jesus is not necessarily saying he's going to build his church on Peter necessarily. He's saying this, I'm going to build my church on every man, woman, and child who has that same confession that, Jesus, that Peter did. Who are you? Who do people say that I am? You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And, and when, you, when you do that, something happens between heaven and earth. And, and, and something opens up and, and we become part of the collective, redemptive, hand of God on the face of the earth and that's what church is all about and here's why I believe this because it kind of is reminiscent to one of the things he said when he was in the upper room if we go over to John chapter 15 verse 7 he says look if you remain in me and my words remain in you you can ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you which by the way sounds a little reminiscent of what he told uh, Peter Back over in Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, when he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. This is just kind of spiritual language for this. God has given power to you and to me to do kingdom and redemptive work. To unlock things that seem locked up broken, set aside, not fit for use anymore. Who am I to deny what the Lord can do? And so this is what we've been saying kind of emblematic around this is wherever God's word is honored, things flourish. And so the vision of God on the earth is a, is a vision of redemption. And I just know it, you're here like I'm here because I'm, I, I'm putting my faith and my trust in that belief. 
This is God's vision. And, and here's the thing. You don't have to be like, you know, seminary degree kind of thing around church. You, you can knock around church just a little bit and almost get this because we know the vision. And the vision, a lot of us have it memorized. It's in John three sixteen, right? Let's read it out loud together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's, that's the vision. That's his vision. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. Well, you know, when I was thinking about this, and um, right now we are in a series in our church where we're talking about the, the vision and the future of our church, but, but I always like to and feel called to preach in the room to people who are trying to make sense of how all of it works. And I thought it would be a good idea just for a few moments to even talk to you about the subject of vision because um, I want everybody to understand how vision actually works. And I was thinking about an example of this. What could I, an example that I could use that kind of displays or or advertises vision in a way. And I want to see if you can get this. If I were to say this, um, they call it the 12 seconds that change the world. Anybody know what that is? Probably not yet. But if I were to add something else to it, December 17, 1903. If you got it, raise your hand. Don't, don't say it. Some of us are starting to pop on it. Let me take you a little bit closer in. It happened in the Outer Banks of North Carolina and Kitty Hawk. Anybody now, now you're starting to think about it? It was these guys right here. Orville and Wilbur Wright. And uh, on December 17th, 1903, Orville and Wilbur Wright wrote themselves into history by um, executing and pulling off the first manned and sustained flight from level ground that had ever taken place. And for those 12 uh, gravity-defying seconds, okay, Orville and Wilbur flew 120 feet right into the history books, okay? Now, here's an interesting thing that I, I want us to think about uh, in terms of how vision works. And then I'm going to connect this to our corporate vision as a church. But let's just take a moment to think about how vision actually works. When we think about that uh, 12-second, 120-foot uh, man flight, they weren't thinking of what we can do now, right? Like when we jump on a plane and that plane soars to, you know, uh, 35,000 feet. Beth, I say it every time Beth and I fly together. I'll, you know, there's that monitor that says my flight. You can click on it and it'll go my flight. And I'll show her, I'll go, look, honey, we are, we're 38,000 feet in the air. And she's like, oh, don't tell me that. And I'm going, we're going a 560 miles an hour. And she's like, do you always have to be 12 years old every time? You know, kind of a thing. They, ne they never thought that. And in fact, here's the interesting thing. When they did this, it represented in some ways, think about vision. It represented in some ways the beginning of what we thought was possible in terms of human achievement. Okay? But for them, it wasn't the beginning. It was the end, in a way, of a long and sustained vision that began all the way back in 
when they had a dream that so many little boys and girls dream, a dream to fly, right? We have a young woman in our church who is being very successful at pursuing her dream to fly uh, because she watched her dad do it, who watched his dad do it. See, this is how vision, in a way, it develops. It starts, um, in a way, we see something and we experience something, and partly because of what we see and we experience, a door opens, watch this, and we begin to see the world through a different lens. How do you know this? Well, even Wilbur and Orville say later, I got to read this to you. This is so cool. They write, our personal interest in aviation actually dates back to our childhood days. For late in the autumn of 1878, our father came into the house one evening with some object partly concealed in his hands. And before we could see what it was, he tossed it into the air. And instead of it falling to the ground or the floor as we expected, They said it flew across the room till it struck the ceiling where it fluttered a while and then finally sank back to the floor. It was a little toy known to scientists as a helicopter, but which we with sublime disregard for science at once dubbed a bat. Isn't that awesome? They go on. It was of a light frame of cork and bamboo covered with paper, which formed two screws, driven in opposite directions by rubber bands under torsion. And it was a toy so delicate it lasted only a short time in the hands of a small boy's, but its memory was abiding. See, this is how personal vision happens. We see something and we're called to it and a door opens and we step through the door and we just see the world differently. And I was thinking about this idea because this is an important component of what I think in some ways brings us here. All of us, uh, in a way, are chasing these moments across our lives where we have vision. I was reading an author recently um, who likened life uh, to a journey on a destination. And, uh, and he went on to say, he said, all of us, I love this phrase, he goes, all of us end up somewhere in life. And he said, and the wiser among us end up somewhere on purpose. That's what vision is. Um, and, when, and when those who study vision, they, they tell us some interesting things they say vision uh, first begins with this concept. It begins with passion. It evokes a certain kind of emotional energy, right? Even in terms of personal vision. I always think about this as a pastor. Think with me about this. None of us start out in life wanting to blow our lives up somewhere. Well, I'm going to graduate from high school. I'm going to underperform And then after three or four years, I'm going to wind up in a ditch. Bill, what are you going to do? Come on. That was, again, funnier at 9 o'clock. Come on. None of us us do that. Um, We're the sum total of our decisions. 
So it starts with passion. Then, then look at this. Then it goes to motivation. The most vision-centered people you'll ever know are the most motivated people because they see the world through a different lens. And then, and then thirdly, look at this. They have direction. There's like a focus, and then, of course, finally it becomes a purpose. We feel called to it. Now, why am I sharing all this? Because in a way, when you get to a faith community, that's what this is, when you get to a faith community, um, personal vision can become a corporate vision. Let me show you what I mean. Uh, I shared last weekend that um, when my dad uh, was promoted uh, in his job, we moved from uh, Braden, Florida, over to West Palm. And it was my dad's design, vision, we could say, that we would find a church and we would attend a church somewhere. And so one Sunday, he gets us up, we go to the church. Now, now, now in, in God's you know, grand wisdom, it's, it's our West Palm campus. But the first time I stepped on the property of that church, I shared with you all last week, it was just, it was different. There was something going on that was different about it. And uh, uh, that was 1978. Later in the year in 1978, we had moved in June. In the fall of 1978, my older brother, who had already launched and left the house, moved back in with us for a brief amount of time. And uh, when he moved in with us and, and kind of settled, he was, um, we thought he had a cold. He wasn't feeling well, and we didn't really know much more than that. He, I just remember the weekend that he moved into our house, and then Sunday came, and my dad said, let's go to church. And when we were on the way to church, my dad, because he worked for Nabisco, would always take cookies with him to church. We got to the end of our street. My dad went, oh, I forgot the cookies. Let's go back and get them. So he whips the car into the driveway. He says, Dale, go in and get the cookies. So I go into, into the house and I walk into the kitchen to get the packages of cookies. And my older brother was walking out of his bedroom and, and he opened up the refrigerator door and grabbed the orange juice. He poured a glass of orange juice, closed the container of orange juice, put it back into the refrigerator, shut the door and he looked at me. And when he looked at me, his eyes rolled back into his head and he fell on the ground and had a seizure. And I just happened to walk in at that exact moment that happened. Scared me to death. And we called the EMTs and, and, and my brother uh, hovered just, a, uh, just north of death for the better part of a week at Doctor's Hospital on 10th Avenue. Some of us remember Doctor's Hospital. And we were new in this church. And while we were there at Doctor's Hospital, people from the church came over every day to pray for us in this experience. And the doctors, they didn't know what was going on with my brother and, and all of this stuff. Was, they just told, you know, we can't make any promises. We don't, we don't really know what's going on. It doesn't look good. And so we did this for the better part of a week. And I just kept meeting people I'd never seen anymore that said, hey, I heard, we, just, we heard you're in our church and we heard that something's going on and we just wanted to come over and pray for you. This happened all week long. At the end of the week, this nurse comes in for her shift who happened to also be a part of the church. And she came in and she came out to my parents and those that were with my parents and were just sitting there in fear and in grief. And she said, hey, I'm about to begin my shift and I'm gonna go into, uh, I'm gonna go into the, the ICU. And I wanna, why don't, why don't y'all pray for me and then I'm gonna go in and pray for your son, told my parents. And so we laid hands and prayed on her like this kind of new for many of us. 
And then she goes in to pray for my brother and she laid her hand on his shoulder and his eyes opened. And he said, what am I doing in here? And the, and, and the nightmare was over. But here's what I want to tell you all. I saw the church work in a way I'd never seen before. I saw people who didn't even know us, love us, pray for us, care for us. And here's what I want you to know. A portal opened, a fire got lit, and it began to be a directional change for my life that that shows up, come on y'all, right here and right now. I got called into the ministry and my whole desire when I got called into ministry was um, to be a part of a church that was like that. I had no idea how to do it, but to be a part of a church that was like that. And then, then I went to pursue another degree and while I was pursuing another degree, I felt God specifically calling me not to be a part of a church that does that, but to create a church that does that. And I was in Seoul, South Korea. I want to show you some pictures. There I am in front of the largest, this is the largest church in the world, Yoido Full Gospel Church. And here I am with our doctoral students and a doctoral cohort leader. And here's another picture of a church after a church service. And I had been asking if I could plant a church. And every time I asked, I was told no. And the day before we flew to Korea, I got a call from a denominational leader who said, uh, yeah, we think you're going to plant a church somewhere in Palm Beach County. And I, I got to be honest with you. I, I thought, uh, I felt like the dog that caught the truck. <laughs> and I thought, I'm going I'm to take my family to South Florida. We're going to fail miserably. It's going to be awful. I saw Beth leaving me, connecting with other men, better looking than me. I mean... <laughs> My mind just went down to this whole thing, you know, kind of moment. And uh, we were in, in Seoul, South Korea, and I went to an experience called Prayer Mountain. And the Korean people pray all night for the church services on the weekend. And I went and I thought, I, 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 have, I have now put myself in trouble. I better pray for the Lord's help. And it was about three in the morning while I was there in Prayer Mountain. I kid you not. What an audible voice. I have it written in my journal where the Lord said, hey, dude, <laughs> if you'll go to Palm Beach County and you'll trust me, I'll build a community of hope. That's where our church gets its name. Now, here's what I want you to know. See, individual vision in the faith community oftentimes becomes a corporate vision. Did God in his goodness and his grace, can I just say this? I don't say it in an egotistical way, not in any kind of puffed up way, but did God in his goodness and his grace do what he was doing in my life in 1996 so that he could begin doing what he's doing in your life in 2023? Who am I to deny what the Lord can do? And I remind you, right, there's no solitary religion. 
Trevor said it earlier. God sets lonely in families. That's why what we're talking about is so important. This is why it's so important to talk about, you know, where we're headed as a church. What it means for us. How, how we all, wherever we find ourselves, can step in and become a part of, here it is, God's redemptive plan unfolding in this part of his vineyard. This is not a moment for me. I, I just want to tell you all, I really, I really believe this. It's a moment for us. This is a moment for us. And so um, I want to say this really honestly. Most churches that do this kind of thing we're doing right now pre-decide and do it behind the scenes. Our church has never been like that. Our, our church is going to do it out front in full view. That's what we're doing right now, out front in full view. And so I would ask that you pray for me to have the grace to tell you what I think the Lord is saying to us and that we would all step into it because why? Well, he's still unfolding his redemptive plan and part of that redemptive plan is to bring redemption to you in your life and through you to someone else in their life. We tricked you. You sang it. The seed I've been given, I will sow. Lord, I want to pray for us this morning. I want to say thank you that you're still in the saving business. You still love the world that you gave your one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. Praise God. Hey, I want to tell you something. Um, When you guys come next week, I'm going to talk to you about resources. I'm going to talk to you about how the church does what it needs to do financially. And here's what I'm aiming at, so there's no anxiety in the room. This is not going to be guilt-inducing. This is not going to be um, pressure. Uh, It's going to be what I just told you all a moment ago, out front and honest, so you can see this is how the church gets its work done. And it would be a tremendous honor, I think, to the Lord. And I just want to say even to me, come on back. Let's learn together what God is saying to us as a church. These are important, important moments. Uh, Lord, I thank you that you're good. I thank you that you're kind. I thank you that you are the God that we would just want to say all over and over and over again, who are who am I to deny what you can do? Uh, there are places in our lives this morning, I sense it, where vision is low. Maybe something feels different. All of us have spaces in our lives that we say, now, Lord, you're still with me there, right? Would you, would you cause faith to rise in our community and in our hearts that you're still at work? in all of our lives. We trust you and believe that 
In the name of Jesus, we pray and everyone said, amen. I want to remind you, we have folks down here would love to pray for you. If you have a prayer request, come this way before you go that way. God bless you. We'll see you next weekend.